Here is a story of Mesidas Nefesh of a little boy whose name is Mayer. Mayer lived in the times, in very difficult times in Russia, when the Germans were coming from all sides and taking over cities, bombing out cities, shooting, killing people, people having to run from place to place, from city to city to hide. Meirke and his mother lived alone. Meirke lost his father a while back and was all alone with his mother. They were in their city and at one end of the city firing was heard, cannon shots shrieking through the air exploded with an ear-splitting noise. People scattered in all directions, and fear gripped every heart. Mrs. Levin and her son stood in the house of mother's childhood friend, Nestia. Yes, Mrs. Levin had a friend who was her friend since she was a little child. Nestia wasn't Jewish, but she was very nice and very friendly. Mother had brought her only son, Mayer, to her Russian friend to hide him from the Germans, and Mother herself had to run away, escape, and hide in a faraway place where the Germans would not find her. Mother hugged Mayer and kissed him hard, trying to be brave and not to cry. I must hurry. My dear son, she whispered, soon the Germans will enter the city, and then I will no longer be able to escape and be away from them. Mayer understood. He understood everything. Of course, mother must escape alone. He must also remain alone in the home of this kind Russian lady. He would remain here until... Until when? Mother? Until when? Until mother would return. When will that be? When will the Germans lose and w leave? When will that be? Mother? These thoughts rushed through Mayer's mind, but he only said, Run quickly, mother. Soon the Germans will be here. Yes, I am going, my dear, dear child. Remember, Meirke, remember well. You are Meir, the son of Meir Levin. You are ten years old, and you are a Yid. Repeat this to yourself always and observe two things more carefully than everything else on earth. Don't eat anything that's not kosher, especially meat or things that come from meat. And keep this Shabbos. Be a Yid, and this Chos Hashem will bring us together once again. We only have each other. May you always be mine. Both Mayor and mother could not control themselves any longer.
and burst into bitter, heartbreaking tears. They stood hugging each other and cried. They cried over the happy past, the bitter present, and mostly over the unknown, frightening future. At last, Mother wiped her tears and called. Come, Nestia, come. Nestia came over and promised to take very good care of Mayer as if he were her own son. Mother should only take care of herself as well as Nestia will take care of her son until the Germans will leave, she said. Mother allowed herself one more hug and kiss, whispered a few last words in Mayer's ears, and quickly left. And so Mayer remained with the Russian family, with Aunt Nestia and Uncle Fedya. Aunt Nestia looked at Mayer with a warm smile. Mayer was quiet. What will we call you here? she asked with warmth. Mayor Levin, he answered firmly. Mayor Levin? Why, that's impossible. Your name should be now Misha Sedov. Will you remember? If they hear the name Mayor Levin, they'll know you're Jewish, and you must hide that now. So remember, your name is Misha Sedov. You must not speak to anyone about your home or your mother or about anything else in the past. From now on, you should make believe that you're my nephew and your name is Misha Sedov and you come from Sverdlovsk. Remember this for your mother's sake, for your sake, as well as for mine. Do you understand? Do you promise? Mayor shook his head. Yes, he understands. He promises. Let it be Misha. Let it be said of. What difference does it make? May this be his last worry. Aunt Nestia now sat down with Mayer and told him about her sister in Sverdlovsk. And she told him also about herself and about her husband, Fedya. She spoke kindly with a warm smile. Mayer felt comfortable and knew immediately that he would like this kind, this kind Russian lady. The question was now how he would get along with Fedya, Nestia's husband. Uncle Fedya came home in the afternoon. He smiled at Mayer and approached him with friendliness. Hello, Mishka. How do you feel in our house? Boring, isn't it, huh? No children, no one to, with whom to play. Maybe I'll be a boy and I'll play together. <laughs> and Mayer, who was afraid of what's going to be the outcome of this meeting with Uncle Fedya, was now relieved that he too was kind and friendly. But... When they sat down to eat, Nastya served the food. What was it? A plate of soup made from bones, for during the war it was almost impossible to get such delicious 
food as chicken or meat. So all they had was soup made from bones. Both uncle, the Uncle Fedia and Aunt Nestia ate the soup with great appetite. Only Mayer did not touch neither the soup or the bones. He was very hungry, but... Why aren't you eating the soup, Misha? It is a very good soup, said Nestia, and moved the plate, plate closer to Mayer. Thank you, but I don't like soup, answered Mayer quietly. Uncle Fedya looked at him angrily and said, What? By your mother you are used to eating gold? This kind of soup is not good enough for you? Then you should know that here you'll eat whatever you are given, otherwise you'll go hungry and starve to death. No one will cook special food for you. Remember that well. Quiet, Fedya, quiet. Let the child get used to everything. Have patience. Misha will eat everything with us yet. Nastya tried to calm her angry husband, but he continued screaming. So, you find our, our good Russian food is not good enough for you, huh, do you? Forget it, Misha, I warn you. Mayer was ready to cry and only with difficulty he held himself back. At last, Nestia calmed her husband and gave Mayer some fresh vegetables. This was his first meal in their house. The next day, Nestia arranged it so that Mayer ate his meals before her husband came home. The child is small. It's difficult to, for him to wait until we eat, she explained to her husband. And in the following days, when both of them, Nestia and Fedya, sat down to eat, she would send Mayer on some jobs to do or just outside to play. This was more convenient for everyone. Fedya had no one with whom to argue, and Mayer was saved from the ar aggravation of mealtime, for he found it very difficult to sit at the table seeing the delicious food, smell the wonderful smell, and yet not, not be able to eat anything. But one day, Mayer noticed that Nestia was sad and very quiet. He knew that the Germans had, for some reason, bypassed the city quickly, and therefore realized that Nestia was worried for other reasons than the war. He did not question her, he only tried to be quieter and behaved better, and just to make her happy. The regular time for Uncle Fedya's return home came and went, yet Fedya did not return. After hours have passed and he still did not return, Mayor asked, Aunt Nestia, where is Uncle Fedya? Why hasn't he returned yet? He'll come, Mishkinka, he'll come. He'll return completely drunk and will carry on screaming and breaking everything in sight. That's how it is every, sh every Saturday. After work, he gets drunk and then he's sick all day Sunday. I'm afraid that he might hurt you. Misha, when Uncle Fedya comes home, 
Don't come out of your room. It's better that he doesn't see you. Maybe he'll forget about you. Nestia was right in her fears. Fedya, drunk, dirty, and reeking from vodka, staggered into the house late at night and began to yell at the top of his lungs, Where's that dirty little Jew who doesn't want to sit with us at the table and eat our food? I'll teach him to eat like a good Russian boy. Nestia tried to bar the entrance to Mayer's room, but Fedya pushed her away roughly, forced his way in, and dragged the frightened, crying child straight into the kitchen. There he began forcing food into Mayer's mouth. Mayer, crying and screaming, fought with all his might and pushed Fedya away. He was cursed and beaten until Nestia finally succeeded to succeeded to pull him away from the wild drunk. And Fedya, tired from the great physical effort, Fedya dropped on the floor and fell asleep immediately. Nestia sat a long time with the child. She made him feel good. She spoke to him gently and tried to calm him. Yes, Nestia had no children of her own and had become very attached to this quiet, quiet and lovable child. Maybe, Mishka, maybe you will think it over and agree to, e to eat something cooked by us after all, Mishinka. Why is it so important that what you eat, God will forgive you, because you are now living under such difficult conditions? Nestia tried to convince the child. Mayer cried softly and answered, Aunt Nestia, you don't understand. It is forbidden for me to eat these foods. They are not kosher. They are not meant for Jews. One of God's greatest commandments is that we eat only kosher food. It is His will and it's, it is also the will of my mother. But you will not be able to stand, stand it for long, eating only fruits and vegetables. Mishinka, you'll get sick and die. Aunt Nestia, if God wants me to live, then he will surely give me as much strength from, as much strength from the fruits and vegetables as from the soup. I believe it with all my heart. I am certain of it, for I am doing God's will. Under no circumstances will I eat anything which is forbidden. Nestia looked at the child with wonder. Such a small boy, only ten years old, with no father, far away from his mother, and strong as a rock. It was impossible to break his will. So what could be done? Oh, Nastya said, it's impossible for you to continue suffering because of my husband. When I agreed to take you into my house and take care of you, I didn't think it would turn out this way. Maybe I should send you to another place which will be safer. Maybe you will go to my sister in Sverdlovsk. 
Mayer turned pale with fright. But then mother won't be able to find me. No, no, let it be this way. And so, for the moment, their sad situation remained unchanged. Uncle Fedya declared an all-out war on Mayer. He swore by everything holy in the that he would educate and teach the stubborn child to eat like a human being. Come what may, he would teach him. He would not rest until this little Jew would eat not kosher food, all other foods which was served. It was impossible that that child of ten would withstand hunger for long. He'll break. Surely he will break. Fedya commanded Nestia to help him in his plan, not to give Mayer anything other than what they ate themselves. He would either eat or starve. A difficult period came upon Mayer, a time of hunger and starving, torture and humiliation and suffering in the face of the drunken guy. Just as, as hard to bear were the heartfelt pleas of good Aunt Nestia. At times Mayer felt tired to death, sick of life, ready to die. But always in a moment of weakness he would remember his mother and the last words which she whispered to in his ears. Mayerke, be strong. Trust in Hashem and take courage. Under no circumstances eat anything that's not kosher. It is the strongest connection between a Yid and Hashem. May you always be mine. Months passed. Mayor grew accustomed and got used to the situation. The delicious foods didn't make his appetite any more. The threats and beatings of Uncle Fedya did not frighten him any more, and the tears of Nestia did not bother his heart any more. And then his situation became easier because he found peace within himself. Even when he cried from the beatings he received from Uncle Fedya, he still remained strong in spirit. And even Uncle Fedya himself, whose mind was simple and his heart coarse and wicked, now he felt the strength of this little Jewish boy until once Mayer heard Fedya say to Nestia, You know, Nestia, he no longer angers me as much as he frightens me. From where does this spoiled child get such strength? Just look at him. No father, among, alone among strangers, constantly beaten and cursed, and in spite of all of this, he cannot be convinced to change. He continues in his Jewish ways, regardless of the difficulties, as if it was enjoyable for him to do so. Can you explain it? He frightens me. He's very unusual. Mishka is just like all the rest of the Jewish people, Nestia explained. The more difficult their situation is, the stronger they become. 
the more others try to take away their Judaism, the more they stick to it. That's how they are. It is impossible to force the Jewish people to make them lose by force, even this poor little boy. I told you this long ago, and now you see it for yourself. After this conversation, Uncle Fedya stopped beating and torturing Mayer. He only used to make fun of him once in a while and try to spoil what little enjoyment Mayer might get from the little food that kept him alive. Mayer suffered quietly, but at night he cried bitterly and prayed that Hashem should return him to his mother and his people and that he should have courage to withstand his bitter test until the very end. Then suddenly, the German army returned to the area surrounding the city and opened fire. The invading army moved swiftly towards the city and one day blocked off the main water line. Masses of people began leaving the dangerous areas and fled to safer places. When the firing neared their home, Uncle Fedya and Aunt Nestia and Mayer escaped to far off Sverdlovsk. Mayer was shattered. How will mother find him? Where will she look for him at the end of the war? He had suffered so much and withstood so many hardships just so that mother will be able to find him easily. And now, a catastrophe. What will happen to him? He could find no answer. The city of Sverdlovsk was bursting with people, people who had fled from different places, people who had ran away before the approaching German armies filled the city of Sverdlovsk to capacity until there was neither not enough housing or food. People took over every imaginable place and ate everything which came to hand. Everyone was the same, everyone except for Mayer. Though hungry and very weak, he would not eat everything which was offered. Once, Nestia managed to buy some milk. A very rare thing to get in that time, in that city. That's a dream for both children and adults. Mayer also wanted a little milk. Nestia poured a glass of milk for dear Mishinka. He was so weak and pale, the milk would strengthen him. She handed him a full glass and said, Drink! Mishinka, drink. After you, Fedya and I will also drink. Mayor licked his lips and with trembling hands took the glass. What joy! What a precious gift from heaven! But at that moment he remembered something and asked, Nestia, is this Hall of Israel? Milk? which was seen by a Jew? Oh, I just got this from the farm. That's all. The glass almost dropped from Mayer's hand. 
With great difficulty he managed to put it down on the table. Chalav Akum, never. It is forbidden. Thank you, but this is not for me. Thank you very much, Nestia. For me, water is healthier than Chalavakum. And went out, his head spinning from weakness. Aunt Nestia stood rooted to the spot. She already understood why Mayer would not drink the milk, but she could not understand how could he control himself so well, physically so weak, and yet a will so strong. At long last the terrible war ended, and the Germans went back home. Now all those who had escaped and had somehow managed to remain alive could return to their homes. Mayer's mother was one of those lucky ones. She had witnessed miracles and had come face to face with death many, many times, yet somehow had always been saved by a miracle of Hashem. And now, at long last, she was back in her city and on the street where her friend Nestia lived. Street? Yes, there was a street, but there were no houses. All of them had been destroyed during the war. Where was Meirka? Where was her dear son? Mayer's mother ran from street to street asking everyone she saw, Where is that Russian family? Where is Fadia and Nastya and that blonde boy? No one knew, for at the time that the people escaped before the Germans came, there was such a disorder that no one was able to keep track of his neighbor, and so now no one can help her. Mother tried to overcome a feeling of depression. It is forbidden to give up. One must continue to search, and Hashem will surely help. Hashem has many ways of helping. We have to have betachen. Hashem has many great tzaddikim that can help me. And one of these was the tzaddik Rebbe Wolf. Mother knew him well and decided to go to him for advice and a bracha. The tzaddik Reb Wolf received mother nicely in his study and listened intently to her story and her question. Where should she look for her lost son? He sat silently for several minutes deep in thought and searched in his mind's eye for little Meirke. He searched through the length and breadth of Russia for one small Jewish boy lost among many Goyim. At last he said, If your son has not eaten anything trefa and has thereby kept his body and blood clean from any of that, then you will find him with the help of Hashem quickly and easily and he will be a faithful and loving son. But if, chas v'shalem, he ate trefa food, then even if you find him, he will be far from you in spirit. 
for he will not want to leave the Goyim and return back to the Yidden. Go, my daughter, go to Sverdlovsk, look for him there, and may Hashem make you successful in your search. Mother left the tzaddik with a heavy heart. My son, my dear, dear son, my meirke, where are you? Will you return to me? With the end of the war, people began to return to their homes. Every day, trains filled to the fullest measure returned people to the cities and villages from which they have escaped. This was the case with every city, including Sverdlovsk. May was very excited. Any minute now, Fedya and Nestya would also go home. And there his mother would find him. But Fedya and Nestya did not move. They remained in Sverdlovsk. Nestya? Mayurker asked, When will we return home? Surely mother is looking for me. You have told me so many times that right after the war we will return home immediately. Nestia mumbled something about Fedya not wanting to return because because of so and so and such and such. And anyway, Mayor's mother will find him in Sverdlovsk also because they had let people know in their hometown that they were in Sverdlovsk. Mayor was stunned. He felt weak and dizzy, but as usual, he did not say a word. He went to his room, thought and thought, and then finally came to a decision. He would return home alone and look for his mother. He knew that it, would, that it was not nice to just leave the good Aunt Nestia in this way, for she had taken care of him during the entire war and had helped him and worried about him. But what could he do? His mother was searching for him, and he missed his mother and his people very much. The next morning, Aunt Nestia did not see Mayer. She only found a note in which Mayer had written that he thanked her uncle Fed his her and his uncle Fedya very, very much for all the kindness which they had done for him, and that he hoped to repay them when he grew up. Now he was returning home to search for his mother. Mayer went to the train station, which is going to take him to his hometown. A long, long train pulled into the station, and with a sharp whistle came to a stop. Sverdlovsk, the last stop. Mother just got out from that train, yes. She was on her way to Sverdlovsk to look for Mayerka, while Mayerka is on the train station on his way from Sverdlovsk to go home to look for Mommy. Mother gets down from the train. Where should she go? Where should she start searching? She did not know, but she knew, and she was sure that Hashem would guide her in the right direction, for the Tzadik Revolve had promised her this. It was a pleasant summer day. A large group of children with counselors were sitting on the grass near this station. These were children whose parents had either been killed or displaced during the war. 
Now they were going to be now they were going to the big home which was going to take care of these children in a home in Moscow. While waiting for the train, the group of children was sitting and eating. Mother watched them from the side. Poor souls, they were starving, for they were eating fish and potatoes hungrily from huge pots. Maybe Mayer was also here. It was difficult to see, for there were so many children. Suddenly she heard one of the group singing, What will you eat, little Jew, cucumber and tomato? What's your name, little Jew, cucumber and tomato? And the children burst out laughing. For mother, this was the nicest song of all. Surely it is about her mayor that they were singing. He is here. He is near her. Deeply moved, she approached the children and asked, Where is that boy about whom you are singing? For which boy are you looking, lady? That boy who eats only cucumbers and tomatoes. Please help me find him. One of the boys quickly pointed him out. There he is, standing on the side. Look over there. Mother saw a tall, thin, blonde boy standing with his back to the group, holding a cucumber in his hand. He was eating slowly. It was someone familiar, close to her heart. With a trembling heart, she approached the boy, extended her hand, and quietly said just one word. Meyerke. The boy turned suddenly with one sharp motion and cried, Mother, my dear mother. They stood hugging each other tightly for several minutes, unable to speak, until Mayer finally whispered, I am yours, mother, I am yours. I saw, my dear child, I saw you are mine, you are ours and Hashem's. Yes, Kindalach. This is another wonderful story about Mesiris Nefesh and Hashgaha Pratis, how Hashem helps every Yid at all times. And Baruch Hashem, as the Rebbe Shlita has told us many times, that now that we have so many things making it easier for us to learn Taita and do mitzvahs, no one's asking us to have a big Mesiris Nefesh, no one's beating us, no one's smacking us. No one's torturing us. What kind of mysterious nefesh are we being asked from? Only one thing. Sit and learn Taira peacefully. It's a bracha from Hashem that we have the peace and we are able to learn Taira and do mitzvahs and bring Mashiach now.